1: Welcome to the Aughts and Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on this Tuesday afternoon edition of the show. We're fresh off Oregon football practice, some interviews. We spoke with four offensive players, or four players, I should say, before this interview, for this podcast. Uh, Josh Connolly Jr. Um, we also spoke with Tez Johnson, Jill Florence, and Taki Tiamani. Uh, we also spoke Monday night with Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. So we've gleaned a little bit more of information about that win at Tech uh, Saturday night in West Texas, and also the fallout from that, the penalty issues, the, the self-inflicted wounds, how they're addressing that. Also, a look ahead to Hawaii. And uh, we were at practice as well. And let's start here um, with some injury news. Dan's not talking injuries, but we're able to at least go to practice and see who isn't available when we're there. And who is, and there's some new names that have moved up, I guess, the, the order of operation to get Foley back.
0: Yeah, the big one was Nishad Struther, who we hadn't seen since I wrote down on my notes. August 22nd was the last time he had logged a practice or we'd seen him. I believe last week on Wednesday, guys can correct me if I have my dates wrong. We We might have seen him exiting practice, at least in pads. I think that's right. Um, But Strudler was at today's practice. He was in trainers, didn't really log any work when we watched. But again, we're watching not enough to really get a feel for what he's done during the day. But that's like a positive step for his possible return. Um, I wouldn't anticipate he's available this weekend. And I don't even know when he comes back, if he's going to be a starter. I think if, 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 you know, before the season, I had him over Harper in my projections. That was kind of guesswork. It was pretty kind of a toss up. This far into the season, do you want to make that move, especially if, let's say, he's available for Colorado or Stanford? Do you wait till after the bye week? I'm, I'm not sure. Do you ever replace Harper? I mean, maybe maybe you just feel better about him than I think some people do externally. Um, that was the big one. And then the one that's a little just becoming a little bit more concerning or maybe just less clear about when there is a return is Justin Jacobs, who was not at practice on Saturday. Or sorry, on Tuesday, I should say. Um, has not played this season, did make the trip along with Nashad to Texas Tech. Um, and Jacobs had been practicing in trainers, at least. I think I wrote down here since yeah, the 23rd of August. So um, that's a bit of a strange one. And certainly if you felt like he was getting closer, today probably doesn't make you feel much better. The only other absences are guys we've been missing for a minute here. True freshman, uh, Lipe Malala, Tavita Pame. Andrew Boyle, Matt Rigney, I guess I know Mm -hmm. you should mention, one of the punters was not there. And then a new name, probably is never going to be a player who impacts much, but Jurion Dickey's older brother, Jawan Dickey, who's a defensive lineman, was there, was in red non-contact, didn't have a jersey number. Again, don't expect this is a name you're going to hear on Saturdays, at least certainly not this season, probably. But kind of cool that the brothers get to play on the same college football team, at least, I guess.
2: Yeah, I don't, I, there's nothing else to add here. These were, these were all the injury guy. This is what we saw at practice. Okay. Uh,
1: moving forward, let's talk it. Let's talk the penalties because that was probably one of the bigger storylines of that game, beyond the comeback win and um, the plays that were made to make it happen. But the self inflicted stuff, it was on both sides of the football um, 14 total penalties by Oregon. I think. I forget the exact total, but it was like 120 something yards um, in that game that they committed. And Dan was, you know, very adamant post game that they're gonna they're gonna get right back to work and they're gonna address it. Uh, and then Monday night, he said that conversation, that process, the steps to do that has already happened as well, um, which is encouraging. And I think probably the biggest news or the bigger news from this regard is Connolly stepped up and basically owned it all, which Mm -hmm. like, that's pretty impressive. We saw this with Bennett Williams last year when he got torched by UW and then he immediately went out and and spoke with us in the media and took ownership of it. And Connolly did very much the same. Uh, And you like to see that, especially, I mean, this is a very young player uh, from an age and from a playing experience. And that was a pretty big mature move to do.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, we've heard about his maturity and his leadership and his work ethic, like which I think are things that when you have the number one rated offensive line recruit in the country, you aren't necessarily anticipating are the other attributes. Like you're thinking about the physical stuff. But from everything we've heard, and again, it's limited exposure at this point, like he's kind of the complete package and obviously needs to work on some of the pre-snap stuff. That was a problem, three false start penalties on Saturday. Um, as he said, Oregon failed to score any points on any of those drives um, following his false starts. And he said it was, you know, we I think we asked, because Dan had said post-game that it was some of that stemming, some of that cadence stuff. And stemming for those unfamiliar is the offensive line kind of shifting right before the snap. That can kind of throw off some of the, or should say the defensive line moving before the snap, and that can throw off an offensive line. But Josh basically just said it was anxiety, nerves, that he was a little bit unprepared, maybe for what he was getting into. And and that really the turning point for him came in the second half when he realized how costly these mistakes were had been for the team and, and to the point I made earlier that he, and that he said as well of like when I'm jumping and, and getting our, our team off schedule on downs, we're not scoring any points on those drives and I need to correct those. And you saw that happen and he certainly settled in down the stretch and, and at least played mistake-free football. So um, yeah, I agree, Matt. Impressive to hear that from uh, a guy who's still only in his second year of college football and, and only make, it just made a second career start too.
2: Yeah, no, credit goes to Connerly for for owning up to it. Um based off of like our limited interactions with him in the past and you know we weren't able to really talk we weren't able to talk to him at all last year because he's a true freshman which is a team rule. It's kind of been under Dan for the last 2 years. Um but when we talked to him in the spring and I got the impression that it, it, it wasn't really surprising that he came out and owned up to it. Cuz that's just kind of the the type of guy he is. Um you know, I remember we talked to him after the spring game and he was um you you asked the question like oh like what what are you trying to improve upon as you know they go into the fall camp and he he was honest he's like I just need to get like a nasty streak I believe is what he said and he needs to be like a a more physical and a nastier player at the line of attack so for him to own up to it I'm not surprised at all I think that you know the sky's the, the sky's the limit for him uh in terms of what he can be as a left tackle um obviously costly penalties but um you know he he performed well on Saturday. Just going back and watching the tape, he was one of Oregon's best offensive line. He and Ajani on the other side at right tackle were, were were tremendous for most of the night. Got um, a whole lot from uh, Taki Taimani, is who I interviewed today. Um, Oregon obviously needs to work on uh, you know quarterback runs. He said that they just like Dan did at the at his Monday press conference that that's something that they're working on um, during practice every single day so far this week. Um I'm not sure how much it'll come up against Hawaii, but um, that's something that they need to improve upon. Um, and he he just said that they're, you know, sticking to the fundamentals or sticking to the plan of what they were doing, um, heading into the week against Texas Tech. and they just have faith in in the plan and the system that uh, that Dan has implemented. Atash has implemented. Um, it, was, um, it, was, it was a funny interview just because of Ben Roberts came in and asked him, asked taki Taimani what his favorite food was, to which, Taki replied about drinking coffee and chocolate milk. So not really a food, food. item, so to say, <laughs> yeah. but um definitely a drink item. Uh he tried to get a Starbucks NIL deal out of it. So uh maybe <laughs> from his playing days and at, at Washington and Seattle, he can he can get some poll and get some Starbucks memorabilia next time we see him. But um it's just just overall, like you know, Taki just confident in the defense. Um Really excited about the way that they kind of turned it around as well. Like talking about in like in the second half um, that they stuck to the game plan. They they needed to execute at a higher level. That he he felt like he did that. There was some leadership that stood up. So um, good day,
1: good day all around from Taki. Yeah, the leadership thing was brought up by people at Texas Tech after the game, and then I asked a couple of people about it as well Tuesday, and I think it was. Um, Tez or maybe it was Josh, but it was uh, – the comment was basically this is a player-run team, and if it's going to be a, truly a player-run team, the players have got to, you know, slip up to it. And that's what happened at Texas Tech, it sounds like, in that fourth quarter. Um, the, leadership, the leadership brought – you know, stepped up. That's what Bo was talking about post game. was there was a lot of leadership on the sideline for both sides of the football. And um, to what your point, Jared, is the defense – the offense guys stepped up when they needed to. Um, I don't think there's any new new information beyond what we've just shared from from Monday or Tuesday that we haven't covered. So, yeah. um, it, it's let's let's turn the page now to Hawaii. Um, an opponent that's gonna test Oregon's secondary again quite a bit. Um, Dan was very complimentary of the passing attack that the um, Rainbow Warriors will bring thoughts and stadium. Um, I think you uh, Eric asked the question about the you know the run and shoot Timmy Chang, their head coach, you know, legendary quarterback. Uh, and you know Dan, Dan seemed to be fired up about that and this matchup that it presents for for the ducks.
0: It's kind of a unique thing where you're facing a team that's led by probably its most storied individual player. That would be it would be like if like Marcus Mariota or Lamichael James were, had returned to Oregon and, and were coaching, you know. Um, and Chang hasn't had a ton of success, but as a coach, but as a player, he was really, really talented. and and Dan kind of said that the team takes on that personality at least stylistically. Like they throw the ball a lot. They are currently leading the nation in pass attempts by like 20. Um, they've also played an additional game because Hawaii always plays a week a week zero game. Um, you know, and to Matt's point, like I think there are some guys in Hawaii. There's like uh, two or three players in offense that you go. like these are like pretty pretty quality players, like the quarterback Braden Shager. I, I know I mentioned at the end of Saturday's podcast that, that he has a live arm. And, um, you know, Dan said that, he, you know, in terms of just the pure arm strength of throwing the ball down the field and again, small sample size, but so far this season, Shager is the, is the quarterback who, who does have the strongest arm. Braden Shager, the, the junior quarterback, started a lot, you know, all last season, put up big numbers so far through three games this year, averaging about 300 yards passing, thrown for 13 touchdowns in three games, Like, and I think just objectively, like they played Stanford and Vanderbilt, like tougher than maybe people want to acknowledge. Um, They lost by, I think, seven to Vanderbilt and 13 to to Stanford. So competitive losses um, against probably two of the worst power five football programs, but power five talent nonetheless. Um, And they beat Albany this past weekend. I don't have any scout on them, but they should have won that game and they did. So do I think this is a team that's going to like really pose a bunch of problems? Probably not, but stylistically... I think again like this is you know another another offense at least is going to present you know present challenges and some kind of opportunity to to work out some of the kinks in that secondary um two receivers have been really productive Pafeli ashlock who's a redshirt freshman he's had over 300 yards receiving in in three games that's a a guy dan was you know pretty high on and then Stephen mcbride who transferred from kansas who i, I think has like 210 yards in, in three games so they throw the ball a lot. They've got a couple of guys they throw to a lot and, and their quarterback has, as to Dan's point, will, will test you vertically. So that's kind of the gist of the offense, I think. They're not gonna run the ball hardly at all. I'd no. be shocked. I'd be shocked if no. it was more than like eight designed running back runs.
2: Yeah, I was gonna, I hope they I was did. gonna bring that up. Oh they're uh I don't know, man. They're they're averaging forty nine yards a game this year.
1: <laughs> well the only reason. Attempts. The only reason I want them to uh, run the football is because they have an offensive lineman that is both their backup center and their backup running back. So I really want yeah. to see this play out.
2: Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a game wrecker. That guy, I can't remember his name <laughs> off the top of my head. I remember watching the, the week zero matchup and seeing him in the goal line. Like it looks like Noah Sewell back there as a running back. And we, we've seen that at Oregon, but they, they run to a pretty often at Hawaii, but yeah, I think, I mean, they're leading rusher this year as 76 yards, like they're like they're games. not going to run the ball in yeah. three games. Yeah. yeah. So um, they're a true run and shoot offense. Uh, again, like Eric was kind of going through, it's a good test to see what Oregon's defense looks like uh, against a passing attack. And, you know, last week against Tyler or Tyler Shuck yep, and Texas tech, you know they they had up, ups and downs obviously the three interceptions are big one of them was at the end of the game so two real interceptions um but you know they they locked down at points against a good Texas Tech offense another kind of run and shoot air raid version um you know, like i mentioned earlier they struggled against chuck in the running department but i don't anticipate there's going to be a lot of that with hawaii other than scrambles just because that's you know kind of how an air raid will work at points but um, it'll be a good test uh this is a game where you'll see if like the additions of Taishin Johnson and, and Evan Williams and Kyrie Jackson have really played paid out the dividends that, that Oregon hopes that they do. Um, and it'll be, it'll be a fun one. Um, I'm excited to see what Hawaii looks like. Like Eric said, like they gave, they gave Stanford a good test. Ultimately Stanford just like, I don't know, it's weird to watch Stanford this year. Cause they're like a run and shoot air raid offense. So they just started moving the ball through the air down the field. And I was like, what is this? This is strange. Um, but it's not a; it's a defense that will give you some issues. Um, you know, they have three or four guys who have; they have four guys that have over three tackles for loss this season. Like, they get to the backfield; they're an aggressive defense. But um, nothing. If you're Oregon, that you're overly frightened about, to say the least. I mean, the, the the spread on this game is 38 points in favor of Oregon for a reason. Uh, I don't think it'll be the 81 to seven drubbing that. Portland State was, but um, there's there's a little bit of like Hawaii could get going on offense just because Oregon's pass defense can't stop them. But um, I still feel the Oregon is obviously the more talented team, and but this would just be a good a second good matchup for them, especially heading into a Pac-12 season where there are a lot of offenses that run kind of like Hawaii's, where they're going to throw the ball 40 times a game, and you just have to get
1: prepared for it. Yeah, I mean this is like a game that. The expectation is by halftime, it's it's not like in hand. The the victory hasn't been secured, but you should be in total control of this game. And by the fourth quarter, at some point, whether it's the start or maybe it's early in the fourth or midway through, you pull all your starters. Um, you know, mm-hmm. That's the type. Of, that's the type of game I'm expecting. Where it's we're, like you said, Jared, we're, we're probably going to see the starters in here longer than we did week one uh against portland state but at some point in this game they should get pulled because the reality is if oregon's who we think they are that this is a team that they should pummel and they should they should win but at the same time there should be some tests there should be some opportunities where where they face some stresses and that's probably going to happen because their offense is pretty good
0: yeah i'm uh I'm trying to think here defensively. I'm looking through it here. Um, oh, one thing Dan did say is, is to the point that, that Jared made a lot of tackles for loss this season. And that's true. They, they've been pretty disruptive in that regard. Simulated mm-hmm. pressures was a term that he used. And Oregon fans who were familiar with Dan coming in from Georgia. That was like a big part of what he had done at Georgia. A lot of success and still something he's doing quite a bit now, especially if you go back and watch the Tech game. You saw that a fair amount. But Hawaii will we'll throw some of that at you. And what I was kind of surprised when I was looking through their their team is just how like they're they're kind of undersized, especially up front. Um, yeah, yeah, they really are. Their best pass rusher is like six one two forty. I'm gonna give this a shot, but I guess pray for me, Jonah Kawahaihi Welch. So the the, the sure. second part, the hyphenation, that part I got. The first part, no idea. Yeah. And then their uh, their top tackler from this year and last year, uh, Logan Taylor is like six foot two fifteen. He used to play safety. Um, Oregon, I guess, has a pretty good feel for those converted, safety, turned inside linebackers. But um, he finished last year on a tear. I was looking through this. He had um, more than 11 tackles in their last six games, each of the last six games last season. Um, so he has 21 through seven this year. So that's a guy who will be involved a fair amount, I would imagine. But um, you know, Dan, Dan was complimentary about the talent on defense. Um, I think coaches are always going to say that but yeah. maybe it's a situation where they, they play really hard, they, they get the most out of them. But most of the players I was kind of looking at as, as kind of guys to mention in my know-the-foe five players were like, oh, those guys are pretty small for the position that they're they're playing.
2: Yeah, another another thing that I picked up on Hawaii during just like preliminary research since it's only Tuesday, like they're a pretty undisciplined team. Um, so far this year they have 29 penalties on offense, and 23 penalties on defense um, against Stanford. They had 11 penalties in offense for 114 yards, and then nine more on defense for 81 wow. yards.
0: Like this is 20 penalties in a game is a lot. Oregon had 14. Yeah. that felt like a terrible number.
2: Well, they've they've done this in almost every game against Vanderbilt. They had 15. Stanford with 20, and then 17 against U Albany. And it's to, be, to clarify here, it's university at Albany, just just to let everybody know, because I yeah. had to figure that out because it was very strange. Um, yeah, and so this is going to be... I, I mean, we, like, we thought that Oregon was really undisciplined against Tech, like you said, Eric, like this. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I also picked up on the undersize of a lot of guys, and I think that directly correlates with how poor their offensive line is in terms of run blocking. Um, against Stanford, they had 16 rush attempts for get this negative five yards uh so if you're oregon's defensive line you you got to feel pretty good about your potential to get to the backfield and either the quarterback or the running back um against vanderbilt it was 25 attempts for 40 yards so that's 35 yards combined and what is that uh 41 rushing attempts against power five opponents they've done all of their uh, there are 148 total yards in the season, 113 of them came against University at Albany. So, um, this is an opportunity for Oregon's defense, at least rush game. Like, I don't really think you have to worry about that at all, unless there's some scrambles and things like that. But, uh, this all goes back to the pass defense and can they withstand just this air raid offense where they're just going to be taking shots all over the place? Um, that's just again, like, I think this is going to be a repeating factor every week for us. And this podcast is like, Will the pass
1: defense stand up against good quarterback X this week? Yeah. Well, and so to, to Oregon's advantage here is Hawaii is the worst team in the country in protecting the quarterback. They've given up the most They're sacks bad. this season. Yeah. Um, 14 total. Now, they've played an extra game than a good chunk of the season, so that, that does factor in here. But 14 and and, and total. And they pass it every down, so there's more opportunities yes. to get there. But, yeah, continue. Sorry. But, but still, 14 sacks, which – could factor also in, you know, Jared. Jared is correct that Hawaii does not run the football, but some of their rushing stats are probably skewed a little bit because they've been sacked 14 times, which which will hurt. It certainly doesn't help. Uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't help. But like, I'm not trying to discredit you at all because you were right. No, no, they no, no, don't I got run you. the football. They they don't run the football. But um, if uh, uh, the easiest way to to stop a passing attack is to get the quarterback on his back and. You know, it, it feels like there's going to be an opportunity for a guy like Dorless, uh, a guy like Mateo, um, Birch, Popo, whoever, you know, is along with defensive line, Casey Rogers, to to get here and and make pressure and force, you know, their quarterback, their offense to speed up and to make mistakes. Yeah. And that's the easiest get, way to stop a passing attack.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, to kind of sum up my thoughts on this one t- t- towards the sack part, especially. Like we saw in the Portland State game with the quick game and how they play, how hard it was to get after the quarterback. We saw against Texas Tech where there were some longer, you know, developing routes where the quarterback had to sit in there. How that impacted things. Hawaii is much closer to like that is a they they sit back there and and they want to throw the ball downfield a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to take a lot of shots. Like um, Ashlock, the receiver I mentioned, I think he already has two catches over fifty yards and two more over thirty. So I mean, they're throwing the ball down the field with pretty high frequency, um, those type of plays lend towards sacks. If you're able to, yeah. you know, hold up in coverage a little bit and get to the quarterback, which to the point is three teams before this have been pretty successful in doing that. Like this could be a game where that sack total again goes up and, and maybe go you head up, in, yeah. And, yeah, going to Colorado feeling like that's a strength of this defense as opposed to what we thought coming into the season might be a weakness.
2: Yeah, they – to to go off the, the deep ball, they, that's like a twenty percent amount of their passes are are thrown over twenty yards down the field. Uh, it's eighteen point eight actually. Uh, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, average yards after the catch is like fifteen. So they certainly throw the ball pretty pretty deep. Almost you know twenty percent of the time that they drop back. Um, and yeah, no. That's this gives an opportunity for Oregon's defensive line to stack up sacks this 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 week specifically. Um, we'll see who it is that gets the sacks, but I would imagine that there's some more, even
1: even over at Texas Tech's sack total of four. Like I think they'll they'll hit that pretty easily. Uh, you mentioned twenty yards or more. They've completed fourteen of those passes, which is fifth in the country, and then they've also completed eight of 30 or more in this so far through three weeks which is fourth in the country now granted again they played a third extra game than everybody else that factors in here but um to your guys's points they sling it and they certainly hold on to the ball to let them take shots that was something that jaleel florence that was one of the first things that he said was they take a lot of shots and it's going to be important for this team to be ready for that because Ashlock and a couple other guys on this team are are talented enough to to make the plays. Dan mm-hmm. said that they've got they've got talent at receiver. Um, it's gonna be a good test. Good test. I uh, just li- I I'd
0: like their quarterback. He's a true gunslinger. He's already has five picks in three games. Interestingly, yeah. I think three of those came against you, Albany, which is like kind of weird. Like that was his worst game so far. Um, but he's got a he, like I said, he has a strong arm and he is not afraid to like. He's from Texas. He's a true Texas gunslinger. He will throw the ball down the field. And I wouldn't be stunned if at one point during Saturday's game, like I guess if you don't come away too doom and gloom, if it's like they connect on a 50 yard touchdown pass, that is their bread and butter. They are going to try to do Mm -hmm. it all afternoon. And if I think honestly, it'll be really impressive if you come out of that game and they don't connect on at least one or two long passes, because that's to the point 20% of their attempts they throw the ball almost 50 yep. times a game. That means you're looking at – I mean, you're looking at a lot of passes down the field, so they expect to see that be a staple on Saturday of what they're trying to do.
2: Yeah, Ashlock has 27 total receptions. Six of them are deep shots. He's caught – or he five of them are deep shots. He's been targeted six times. Like, this is what they do. McBride is another guy. Eight targets through receptions out of 25 are deep balls, so over 20 yards. Like, to Eric's point, like, if, if Oregon comes away and there's no – Forty to fifty to sixty-yard touchdown. Um, I I would be I would be pretty surprised just because of how often they do it. Like you know, it's kind of like it's just odds. Like eventually one of these will will land. But um, I think Oregon will be playing a lot of a lot of Brian Addison. That's what I would expect. A lot of him, um, whoever's like your fastest safety, just to just to provide over the top help. Uh, just they're gonna they're gonna throw it. If he throws forty times, uh, it's gonna be like you know. 10 of them are going to go down the field over 20 yards.
1: All right. I think that's going to do it for us here on this Odds and Audible's podcast, Tuesday edition. We'll be uh, bringing on Jackson Moore of 24-7 Sports. He covers the Hawaii Rainbows uh, to, to come on the show, preview Hawaii, get you more familiar with Oregon's opponent on Saturday. And then we'll make our game picks and more predictions in a full preview of the game. On Thursday, but until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.
3: Selling a little or a lot.